Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, as well as with video here on YouTube. All right. So recent events have caused me to uh, put this podcast together pretty quickly, actually. I had, when I was doing the podcast earlier with Ruth, we were responding to the news of the day or the week and sort of struggling to keep up with that and report facts over opinions or information that was so new and so fresh that it couldn't really even be verified. And it was creating for me problems and feeling like I was not standing on firm ground in terms of what I was talking about. When you respond to an event uh, that's just presented some disaster or some tragedy or some, you know, horrific situation that's occurred... Uh, It usually takes, especially when it it deals with law enforcement, it usually takes weeks or even months for the full facts of the story to be discovered by investigators and then be reported on. And so the immediate and the that goes on on social media and in the the news media um, usually is so much uh, hype and, and nonsense and you know, flying opinions based on, you know, shaky facts. And so I wanted to get away from that format. But (laughs) this week, there was a pipe bomber here in the United States who has just been caught. And um, it looks like I'm going to go through some of the information about this. Of course, you'd have to have your, you know, a little bit bit of a, a head in the sand and not know about this. But just in case any of you guys do not or you're not up to speed on All of the information that's available as I am recording this uh, late on Friday afternoon, um, I will go over it. And then I'm not doing this just for the sake of of, uh, salaciousness or for the sake of, you know, ooing and aahing over how horrible this is. I actually have some points I want to make about the responsibility of people beyond this person and what he did. So... First off, though, I need to go over the story. Now, the person who's been caught is named Caesar Sayok, and uh, he, I, they have his whole name here, is Caesar Altieri Sayok, and um, he is clearly a Trump supporter. However, that has uh, little to do with the point I'm going to make, but I'm going to use this uh, because he is who he is, uh, this guy, Caesar. And he did what he did, uh, and the evidence that we know so far, the physical evidence, pretty clearly indicates that the guy is, uh, you know, targeting people on the left, on the Democratic side, exclusively uh, because of partisan political op- opinions and ideas that the guy has, in addition to obvious, uh, you know, other problems that this guy experiences, which, like I said, we'll, we'll go over here. But I want to make it clear right from the get-go, that while I am left-leaning, and I have made no uh, bones about that, I've never pretended to be anything otherwise, I, I work quite hard to try to present as balanced and, and unbiased opinions and, and ideas as I can. And generally speaking, when I talk about this sort of thing, I have a bigger point in mind that applies to equally to all ends of any political spectrum or whatever spectrum you want to talk about. Uh, but I'm going to use 
this as a sort of case study this week. But I want to make it clear that while Caesar Sayoc might be a Trump supporter, I in no way, shape, or form am at all saying or asserting or implying or inferring in any way that he is representative of anyone but himself. He is not um, you know, a, a, a representative or figure or um, opinion leader or anything like that for Trump supporters. I have so far heard nothing but universal um, denigration and disapproval of this man's actions and, and, uh, and what he you know, stands for uh, by all ends of the political spectrum, as it should be. However, um, you know, there's some things about this we can't whitewash, but I want to be clear that I am not making a show here about all Trump supporters. I am talking about this man and how this, you know, some of how this might have come about. Uh, pipe bombs were sent specifically to the Clintons, the Obamas, former Vice President Joe Biden, Senator Cory Booker, Representative Maxine Waters, Senator Kamala Harris, former Director of the CIA John Brennan, former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, former Attorney General Eric Holder, billionaire George Soros, and actor Robert De Niro. Now, there is one thing, and pretty much only one thing, that these people have in common, uh, besides all being left-leaning politicians or celebrities or public figures, is that they have all been overtly, openly critical of Donald Trump in the media and Donald Trump's supporters, and they have made uh, unapologized, un, you know, just completely blatant and out there um, criticisms and rants and, and, and discussions and talks against Donald Trump and anyone who supports Donald Trump. So that is, uh, you know, so make of that what you will, but that is the thing that they all have in common. Authorities on Friday today arrested Sayok and identified him as a suspect in the sprawling mail bomb scare that included at least a dozen suspicious packages sent to political and media figures, including many pictured on his white van, which was covered with stickers and posters, all pro-Trump, very much supporting Donald Trump, and very much against anything that was considered against Donald Trump. And there was also... Um, some conspiracy-minded stuff on this guy's van. And apparently this guy um, actually lived in this van. So he has been charged with five federal crimes. I'm reading from uh, news from uh, NBC, and I have uh, some lines from CNN later. So he's been charged with five federal crimes, including transportation of explosives and threats against former presidents, which is quite interesting. That is an actual crime you can be charged with, is making a threat against a former president. doesn't come up too often, but in this case it does. It has. And because of these charges, he faces a penalty of 58 years in prison if convicted, potentially, according to Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Sayoc himself is a 56-year-old registered Republican. He lives in Aventura, Florida, near the facility from where many of the packages were mailed. Um, in a criminal complaint, authorities said they lifted one of his fingerprints from the device that he sent to Maxine Waters, and it matched and matched a DNA sample to Sayoc from two of the devices. This they were able to do that because he's been taken into custody in the past, and they had his DNA and fingerprints on file. Um, 
He was previously known to law enforcement officials uh, as he'd been arrested nearly a dozen times in Florida, including a 2002 arrest for making a bomb threat. His criminal record in the state extends to the early 90s, starting with his arrest for larceny at the age of 29, according to state records. Other charges of larceny, grand theft, and fraud would soon follow across the southern part of the state. According to Miami-Dade County Jail booking records, Sayot called Florida Power and Light and threatened to blow up the local electric utility. Sayok said it would be worse than September 11th and also threatened something would happen to the uh, Florida Power and Light representative that he was talking to if they cut his electricity. So that was a personal threat. Uh, he worked, um, the general manager of the New River Pizza and Fresh Kitchen said he worked as a delivery driver for several months, but he quit in January. So this guy has not been working for months. Uh, quote, he was crazed. That's the best word for him. Crazed. There was something really off with him, she said. Um, and he drove around doing pizza deliveries with this white van that was covered in all these images. Um, he, he, she's also quoted as saying, uh, it was puppets with their heads cut off, mannequins with their heads cut off, Ku Klux Klan, a black person being hung, anti-gay symbols, torchings, bombings, you name it, it was all over his truck. So this was, and you'll see photos of this in the media if you haven't already. Uh, but she kept him on because he did his work reliably and good drivers are hard to find. Um, but he did disturb his co-workers with racist comments and texts. She said, quote, He was very angry, and angry at the world, at blacks, Jews, gays. He always talked about, if I had complete autonomy, none of these gays or these blacks would survive. He never said he would kill them or murder them or bomb them. He just said, if I had complete autonomy, the gays, the blacks, and Jews would not survive. He was very, very strange. That's a, continuing the quote from her. Um, and apparently social media profiles he owned were filled with conspiracy theories and antipathy towards liberals. Big surprise there. Um, his Twitter account uh, in his name mentioned George Soros 34 times, Barack Obama 29 times, and Hillary Clinton 21 times. Uh, mis and, and notably, misspellings in the account were consistent with those same misspellings on the packages. Uh, he said here, one tweet features a picture of Eric Holder, our former attorney general, one of the people a pipe bomb was addressed to, and the tweet said, this man murdered for political reasons and got away with it. Another tweet that he sent out claimed that Parkland shooting survivor David Hogg was a paid protester backed up by George Soros. Okay, so, you know, I have spoken quite a bit on my channel about conspiracy theories and the ridiculousness of believing them, but the other point that needs to be made, and it's, I'm far from the only person who's ever made this point, is that there's a certain amount of mental derangement that occurs in consuming false information and having a completely false worldview of what's actually going on. Now, all of us have this to one degree or another because none of us are on top of all of the facts connected with everything that we're familiar with in the world at large. It would be impossible for our brains to deal with that much information. We're simply not made for it. 
And so we think with inferences, we condense information. There's all kinds of mechanisms we have, which I've gone over on my show as far as how we filter information and process it. But conspiracy theorists are in a whole nother realm of disassociation from reality. And I haven't particularly commented on it a whole lot because it's a spectrum and not everybody can be put into a nice little box and called crazy just because they have conspiratorial ideas. Some conspiracies are true. Some conspiracies look ridiculous and then all the facts come out about them and it turns out it was absolutely 100% legit. We can look back in history and see things like MKUltra, CIA thought control um, program. That was real. That happened. We know about uh, other uh, incidents in the past, like the uh, syphilis experiments that were done on um, black people in the, I think it was 1930s uh, or 40s, where they were, you know, not being given proper medical care on purpose uh, for syphilis treatments. And uh, that was a very definitely a conspiracy that occurred. We have you know, Operation Paperclip, where German scientists were, you know, secretly shuttled out of uh, post-World War II Nazi Germany and brought to America and used for our purposes. So it's not that there's no conspiracies that people engage in, and it's not that we shouldn't apply critical thinking and skepticism to all of these claims. But when you get down to the level, as I have made points about numerous times, when you get down to the level where you believe that 12 men control the world or the Illuminati has been this multi-century, millennial sort of activity that has been the secret puppet master behind everything that goes on in the world or that George Soros is behind every single liberal front group, uh, it becomes ludicrous. This becomes a kind of paranoia. And it's, and it's really, you know, there are, there are lines that are crossed in that world. And this is why you find me so down on people like Alex Jones, because it's not just a matter of some guy ranting for hours at a time on his stupid show. It's actually creating problems. And we'll go over more of that later in the show here. All right. Um, now, this guy, um, Sayok is also sending out, was also sending out tweets that were without question pro-Trump. For example, he sent out a tweet that said, happy birthday, the greatest president ever, Trump, Trump, Trump. Um, All right. So according to a CNN report, Sayok was initially somewhat cooperative after his arrest, telling investigators the pipe bombs wouldn't have hurt anyone and that he didn't want to hurt anyone, according to a law enforcement official, and he's now retained a lawyer and his questioning has ended. Um, now, And that might well be true. I want to point out, for anybody who doesn't know this, that it is a crime to put together a device that looks like an explosive device and has the parts of an explosive device and send such a device through the mail even if it doesn't cause any harm, even if you didn't mean for it to blow up, when you do something like that, you are committing a crime and you are going to be prosecuted for it. Now, Attorney General Jeff Sessions said that Sayok faces at least five federal counts, as we went over earlier, including interstate transportation of an explosive, illegal mailing of explosives, threats against former presidents and certain other persons, threatening interstate communications, and assaulting current and former federal officers. 
So Sessions, uh, our attorney general, stated, and I was um, actually glad that he said this, quote, let this be a lesson to anyone, regardless of their political beliefs, that we will bring the full force of law against anyone who attempts to use threats, intimidation, and outright violence to further any agenda. We will find you, we will prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law. That is a responsible statement from an attorney general and completely appropriate to his job and his position. I wish he and others in government had used such clear-cut language earlier. We're going to be treated to days more media coverage about this, who this guy was, the social media is already alive with the back and the forth about the political arguments and the various camps are fighting with each other. And there was even up until today, there was nonsense about this being some false flag operation on the part of the Democrats. And I just have to say, it really saddens me that the term false flag operation has been so overused in the conspiracy camps that this is a term you don't even have to define to people anymore. That's pretty pathetic because uh, the number of false flag operations that actually occur in the world, well, when they're successful, you're never going to know they were false flag operations. But um, the number of claims made about false flag operations versus the actual number of them, there is quite a disparity there. Now, I want to be clear again, because I want to be clear about all kinds of things here, that every one of us are responsible for our own actions. In the end, this guy is the one who put these things together, went and got bubble mailers, typed out addresses and put them on them, taped it all together, and sent them off. That is 1,000% on him. Uh, Or... Allegedly on him, I guess I should say. And yet, I want to look at something here. Is that really where the buck stops? Should we think that? Should we consider, well, all that, you know, all that can, the only blame that can be spread around here is on the person himself. Now, if you're in a frame of mind where you are, let's say, a Donald Trump supporter, then it's going to be very easy for you to go, yes, absolutely, wash my hands of this. Donald Trump has absolutely nothing to do with any of this at all. He None of the things that he ever said or did have any influence on this man in any way to cause him to send out these pipe bombs. I disagree. And my, the reasoning behind why I disagree has to do with my experience with cults and everything I have ever said on this channel since day one. Cultic groups are great examples to use to demonstrate extremism, criminality, and how people are deceived into doing ridiculous things. But those ridiculous things include violent things. Extremism is not just something funny to laugh at when people fall for stupid beliefs. Extremism is something we need to pay attention to because, as I've said before, the potential for extremism lies in every single one of us to one degree or another. There is no human being in this world who is immune from the, uh, the potential, who, who, could, who is extreme proof, 
who could never be made into an extremist of some kind. That human being doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned. That is my assertion. Extremism happens when we take our regular, ordinary, garden-variety beliefs and ideas and we crank the dial up to 11. Now, if you're following my channel, odds are you've heard things I've said about Scientology, you've heard things I've talked about with Jehovah's Witnesses, with former members of that group, with Mormons, with former members of that group. You've uh, The most popular video on my channel has to do with Bill Gothard and the Duggars and a Christian cult group. So you're familiar with a lot of the ideas I've presented, but... Somehow, some people have a hard time connecting the dots here. You know, none of us have any problem with seeing how destructive cult leaders, including traumatizing and malignant narcissists, cause or influence behavior with their followers. We all accept that that is true. I talked to you about the horrors of L. Ron Hubbard and David Miscavige and their policies and guidelines and rules that we as Scientologists were forced to live under, that we agreed to, but at the same time we were forced when we didn't agree or if we thought, mm, maybe not today, I don't think I want to do this, well, guess what, you're doing it anyway. You guys don't, you know, no, there's tons of people there who, out there who don't have any problem connecting those dots. But then when I say, well... Donald Trump might have some responsibility or might have some culpability in this. Absolutely not. That's insane. Why? Why is that so insane? What responsibility does a public figure have for their words? It's a very important question. It's a very important question. And it led me, actually, uh, on my Facebook <laughs> feed... Um, a friend of mine, Tyler, turned me on to a term that I had not been familiar with before, even though it was a concept I've discussed previously on this channel. That term is stochastic terrorism. Okay, that sounds weighty. Uh, sto stochastic has to do with the idea, that's a word that has to do with the idea of something that's statistically probable happening seemingly at random. Okay, something happening just, you know, doesn't, it, there doesn't appear to be any apparent cause to it. Now, this term, stochastic terrorism, was not coined in reference to Donald Trump. It's been around long before he ever came around. Um, and it's defined as the use of mass public communication, usually against a particular individual or group, which incites or inspires acts of terrorism which are statistically probable, but happen seemingly at random. Okay? Let me go over that again. It's the use of mass public communication against, usually against a particular individual or group to incite or inspire acts of terrorism against that individual or group. And the acts themselves appear to be random there's no direct causative, you know, cause-effect relationship between the two things, and yet, there it is. Uh, all of this fits with what the anonymous blogger G2G had to say in his expanded definition of stochastic terrorism. Quote, You heat up the waters and stir the pot, knowing full well that sooner or later a lone wolf will pop up and do the deed. 
The fact that it will happen is as predictable as the fact that a heated pot of water will eventually boil. But the exact time and place of each incident will remain as random as the appearance of the first bubbles in the boiling pot. Now, the word incite all by itself means to encourage or stir up violent or unlawful behavior. Now, Donald Trump has not once ever said from a stage or from a podium or anywhere that I'm aware of, I'm, I'm not aware of any place where he has said, go build a bunch of pipe bombs and take out a bunch of Democrats. Okay, I'm not blaming, I'm not saying that he ever said or inferred that. This is much, much, much more subtle. But it's also much, much, much more sustained. This is not a one-off. Donald Trump does not get a mulligan for one or two mistakes that he made or faux pas that he committed during his public speaking. All the way up until his most recent rallies and why it is that a president of the United States is going around the country doing campaign rallies during the course of his presidency is beyond me. But that's just a random criticism of me against him as a public figure. It is uncontestable that during his rallies, he has numerous times stated that violence should be or could be perpetrated against people that are not his supporters. Uh, protesters who showed up at his rallies, for example. And here are an exact series of quotes that he has said, and I wanted to give it to you in his own words so that it wasn't just me repeating his words out of context. Here they are. Part of the problem and part of the reason it takes so long is nobody wants to hurt each other anymore, right? And they're being politically correct the way they take them out. So it takes a little bit longer. And honestly, protesters, they realize it. They realize that there are no consequences to protesting anymore. There used to be consequences. There are none anymore. So that's it. All right, thank you very much. And when you see these towns, and when you see these thugs being thrown into the back of a paddy wagon, you just see them thrown in, rough. I said, please don't be too nice. Like when you guys put somebody in the car and you're protecting their head, you know, the way you put their hand over. Like, don't hit their head and they've just killed somebody, don't hit their head. I said, you can take the hand away, okay? So if you see somebody getting ready to throw a tomato, knock the crap out of them, would you? Seriously. Okay? Just knock the hell. I promise you, I will pay for the legal fees. I promise. I promise. All right. Yeah, get them out. Try not to hurt them. If you do, I'll defend you in court. Don't worry about it. You know, one of the things that happened, some of the, he wasn't, he wasn't bad, but some of these protesters are really violent people. Now, if we're tough with them, we get criticized. We had one guy in New Hampshire, actually, who was a rough guy, and he was swinging and swinging and punching, and he was really going down for the count. And we had a couple of people in the audience who were equally rough, and they took him out. They took him out. And, no. No, they took him out. And I'll tell you what, it was, it was really amazing to watch. And, you know, this was a seriously tough cookie. A guy looked like an NFL football player. We had four guys. They jumped on him. They were swinging and swinging. The next day, we got killed in the press. And we were too rough. Give me a break. You know? Right? 
we don't want to be too politically correct anymore, right, folks? So, no, it's very unfair. You know, they're allowed to swing and punch the hell out of people, but if we get a little bit rough in taking them out, oh, we're terrible people. You know, it's, that's the way it is. It's one of the many reasons our country's going to hell. All right. Honestly, I hate to see that. Here's a guy throwing punches, nasty as hell, screaming at everything else when we're talking. And he's walking out, and we're not allowed, you know, the guards are very gentle with him. He's walking out like big high fives, smiling, laughing, like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. In addition to those quotes, you also have, if you'll recall, a satire video that came out where Donald Trump was seen uh, body slamming someone. Now, this was from the old WWE days, but somebody had superimposed a CNN logo over the, the face of the person that Donald Trump was, was body slamming. Obviously, the message there was that Donald Trump was taking down the fake media and fake press. Well, fine, except for the fact that it's not fine because he is now a president of the United States. So when that persona is presented doing a body slam of someone and then Donald Trump retweets it and endorses it, that is a clear-cut statement that violence against People who have something critical to say against Donald Trump is perfectly and totally, completely acceptable to him. And if you can't see that, I'm sorry, but you have a perception problem because millions of people see that. Uh, ABC News also reported, um, this is a quote from uh, 18 October 2018 report, quote, Three protesters who claimed they were roughed up by Trump supporters at a March 1, 2016 rally in Louisville, Kentucky, have filed a federal suit against Donald Trump, accusing him of inciting violence. His lawyers tried to get the case dismissed by saying his comments are protected by the First Amendment's guarantee of freedom of speech and that he did not intend for his words to incite violence. But federal judge David Hale rejected that argument in April of 2017 and said there was sufficient evidence that the protesters' injuries were a direct and proximate result of Trump's comments, according to the Associated Press. Trump was allowed to appeal the case, and Judge Hale signed an order to dismiss the claims in September 2018. The latest filing in the case was a petition for a rehearing, which was filed on the appeals docket days after the order to dismiss. So the fact that a federal judge found cause to, sufficient cause to see that there was a direct and proximate result of Trump's comments and violence committed against these protesters certainly had me interested. Even though the case was dismissed, I'm still going to note that there was something there. Now, here's the thing, right? And I mentioned this just now, but I'm just going to reiterate this. The fact that I can hear these statements, that literally... Millions of Americans can hear these things and then unequivocally state that Trump has endorsed and even incited violence through these statements is actually telling. If you're a Trump supporter and you can't hear or see them, then you can at least acknowledge the fact that millions of Americans do hear it, and among some of those might be people who are just looking for a reason to carry out violent impulses on others. If Trump gives them their bless, his blessing and even says he'll pay their bills, would someone not be justified in thinking they not only have the support of their fellow Trumpsters, but also the president of the United States himself? 
Of course, such people exist, and we've got one in custody, and we're looking at such a person with Caesar Sayoc. Now, regardless of the reason for it, short of an outright riot coming at a speaker, no public speaker should ever be endorsing or inciting violence from the public stage, especially when that stage is being televised or broadcast on radio to millions of people. And those people are not going to get the full context of why the speaker is even saying it. Now, I'm aware of the justifications and rationalizations with Trump supporters as to what Trump was saying in that series of quotes I just played and why. And I don't care because nothing he said was justified as far as I'm concerned. And not, none, of, none of the things he said are things I would ever say or allow to be said from a public stage. If a protester becomes violent, that's why you have security. Okay, like, for example, at these rallies, when when Trump supporters started beating back on one of these protesters, Trump validated them. That was the whole pay your medical bills thing. Security has a job at these events. That job is to keep the event calm and cool and keep the protesters under control or keep them even out of the building. That's their job. The job of the speaker is to inform, educate, inspire reinforce belief. His job is not to incite in any way, shape, or form violence against anyone, especially as a candidate for the presidency of the United States or as the president of the United States. If we are ever in a position where we are going to go to war against another country, as we are have been in a state of for far too long, then there will be rhetoric, there will be propaganda, there will be press statements put out about the other country and the reasons that we are going to war against them. Those press statements and releases should still not call for any sort of civil violence or unrest here in our country, even against citizens of said country that we are going to war with. We've already lived through this history. We already know how bad and how unjust and how tragic it can get when you start targeting innocent people who have done nothing wrong or targeting American citizens who just happen to disagree with you or be critical of you. How is that any different from what the Church of Scientology does? I I really don't see the difference, and it actually really is surprising to me that people can become so partisan and so blinded to their own biases that they can't see same, same situations from one situation to another because they have so much emotional investment in one thing and and so they just can't see the problem where they can see it with something objective and something they're not connected to. That's that it was not the original point of my channel or my podcast to draw those comparisons but i can't help but do it now because the the lessons to be learned from learning about extremism and destructive cults are lessons that should be being applied to everywhere in our lives and i i'm just going to keep reiterating it because i think it's a point that's worth making now here is a sort of wrap-up question for you about this, 
Okay, and this is actually for for everyone to contemplate on both ends because it's a question that I don't see anyone asking right now. What if Caesar Sayoc had succeeded? What if he had actually killed all those people? Think about that. What if the Clintons were dead now because their, their home was pipe-bombed? And the Obamas, and Eric Holder, and Joe Biden, and Robert De Niro... What if all those people were now gone? What would happen? Well, clearly the nation would be in mourning. I mean, you just you don't take out that many people under any circumstances, no matter who they are, and not have you know not have that be a major world-breaking event, uh, especially with pipe bombs. But think about what happens after the wave of sympathy and support. What do you think would happen? I'll tell you what I think would happen. I think that you would have probably the biggest case of martyrdom ever created in the United States. Uh, I think it would dwarf uh, Kennedy assassination, uh, both Kennedy assassinations, even Martin Luther King's assassination, because we'd be talking about multiple figures here. Um, So the left would gain mass sympathy from every independent, as well as obviously every person who was on the left, but probably a great number of moderate Republicans and conservatives as well. And it would be appropriate to have sympathy for them, but it would also create the whole martyr phenomena. And that's a whole thing. I mean, you don't know about martyrs. <laughs> well, everybody knows about martyrs because... I mean, we've got lots of models to look at in history. There would be political capital gained by the Democrats, the DNC liberals, for months. Probably years of political capital would be gained just like that. Uh, All those government positions that were held, I mean, because there were people who were being targeted who currently are in office, uh, Kamala Harris... Uh, Maxine Waters, Senator Cory Booker. Um, So those would be replaced almost immediately. There would be new elections held. I'm sure this is, you know, uh, covered in some sort of uh, political guidelines uh, in, you know, on a a state-by-state basis. But, um, But they would all be replaced out. And do you think that their successor would be a Republican? I mean... No, of course it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Of course they would be replaced out by another Democrat. And odds are that Democrat would be just as anti-Trump as they were. I mean, Maxine Waters is no like you know historic model of uh, of you know power and and glory. She's just a, a representative in the House. Uh, same with Kamala Harris, competent uh, in many ways, but incompetent in others. But, you know, she's, she's a Democrat. She's got a Democratic agenda. They're just going to be replaced out by other people who are Democrats, who have Democratic agendas. So there's not going to be any gain in the House or the Senate as a result of something like this. And then, like I mentioned before, with the political capital, you're just going to have more Democrats being elected, many more and in the end, 
all this would really do would be to help the left in, I'm sure, ways I can't even imagine right now. I just put a short list together in preparation for the podcast here. So it would be completely this this entire thing, and this is where this is where crazy people like this guy who, you know, whether it was Caesar who carried this out or you know whoever did it, and whoever carries out similar actions like this in the past, they can't think in sequences very well. I mean, this was just a laundry list of, of people to blame from Alex Jones and, and, and other conspiracy sites. That's all this was. That's where this guy got his targets from. It's obvious. I mean, I don't think I'm making some bold, controversial statement in saying that. Uh, so, you know, so if, so if he had succeeded at this, all that would have happened is that the left, the Democrats would have been bolstered in ways that they would be stronger than ever. So, uh, anyway, pretty, pretty stupid, pretty bad strategic thinking on the part of, uh, this guy, alleged, you know, the alleged, uh, guy who carried this out, uh, whose name I don't even like saying. So I'm not, so I'm, I'm sort of avoiding it when I keep talking about this guy. But, uh, anyway, I think I've made my point there. Um, as a content creator, my words matter, and I try to choose them carefully. I have made it clear a number of times on this channel, in my critical Q&A shows, in the moderation policy that I have posted on my channel, on Facebook comments, on Twitter, I have said over and over again that violence is never, ever an answer, uh, especially for, for in terms of conflict of ideas, let's put it that way. I don't, I'm, I'm fairly pacifistic. I don't believe that violence is a solution to problems, despite what Hollywood movies have shown us all of our life, and despite, you know, romantic stories and all the rest. Uh, in the real world, it doesn't usually work out so good. Um, when it's necessary, when self-defense is called into play, when aggression is, you know, head-on in your face, yeah, you have to respond to it. But to initiate violence as a way to deal with a problem, as far as I'm concerned, is somewhat psychotic. And I use that word advisedly. Now, that being said, I have always taken great care to make that very clear to everybody out there. It would be easy for me, as a former Scientologist and victim of abuse, to want to perpetrate violence on my abusers. There are specific people I could name that I could incite people to want to take out, to want to do something bad to. And I could push that agenda on my channel if I wanted to. But I don't. I do the exact opposite of that because I feel that my words matter. And I feel that the effect I'm creating on on the people who listen to my words matters. And I also, of course, don't want to ever myself end up in at the at the wrong end of a, you know, court issue or legal issue because some, you know, crazy person goes off on some rant because of something I said. So I've always made it crystal clear that I do not endorse or promote violence in any way against Scientology or against any destructive cult or against anyone. So if it's so easy for me to do that, why is it so hard for Donald Trump to do that? Why is it so hard for certain public figures to, to not do that, to just say, hey, we should be getting along. 
we should be a united front. We are a country of individuals with wildly different ideas. But in the end of the day, we're all Americans. We all salute the same flag. We all believe in very, very strong, hardcore principles of what it means to be an American. We believe in truth. We believe in justice. We believe in the American way. It's why we're here. It's what we were raised with. These are strong purposes, strong ideals, and they're worth fighting for. They're worth defending. They are worth honoring. And I feel personally that when public figures, especially the president of the United States, for God's sakes, will not stand up and decry this kind of violence, will not, st- will not say, will not call for and endorse unity over party, I think that's a person who's damaged goods. Just by that alone, and I will call that out seven days a week, regardless of their political ideas, their policies, what they want to do with the country, what they don't want to do with the country, what they want to do with health care or whatever. All of that aside, this for me is not a left or right issue. I would be just as strongly against any Democrats who have ever called for or incited any violence. I'm not down with them either. This isn't a partisan issue for me. I, I hope I'm making that clear. So I'm not particularly too interested in a whole lot of whataboutism in response to what I'm saying here about Trump, because I'm saying the exact same thing about every single politician who has ever said or suggested or inferred that we should treat them a little rough because they treat us a little rough. Screw that. What kind, of, what kind of moral principle is that? What kind of higher ground is that? What kind of values and ideals is that person presenting and putting forward for our children to learn from? To, you know, we should have public figures who inspire our children, not bias them in such a way that they grow up to be thugs. So I, I can't you know, obviously speak strongly enough against this, and that's why I wanted to make it the point of my podcast this week. So that all being said... Thanks for coming around. Leave any questions, comments, or feedback in the comments section below here on YouTube or at sensiblyspeaking.com. I am open to anything you have to say, and I love considering different ideas, provided, of course, that they are presented to me in a, um, you know, uh, rational manner. (laughs) Okay, though, that being said, thanks for coming around, guys. Thanks for listening to what I had to say here. I hope that this was helpful in some fashion. And I will talk at you later. Bye-bye.